Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter, and I am in studio today with special guests Jordan and Taylor from the podcast Girl Meets Show. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. I haven't seen new podcast episodes lately. Are you guys still recording? We are. Um, we'll have to look into that. Yeah, where do you usually uh, <laughs> Apple Podcast? I think our episode counts are messed up, and we should look into that. Because I, I, I've noticed that. Okay, well, check them out. Maybe not on Apple Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on Spotify. <laughs> we are up to date We're there. definitely on Spotify. Yeah, I pulled the episode link just today. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, check them out regardless. Um, Jordan, tell me what you've been watching. Okay, so mine, it's kind of weird. I feel a little weird about it, but I have been rewatching Glee. Whoa! I mean, I know. I, have a really, I already have a, such a love-hate relationship with the show. But, I mean, obviously it's been, like, fresh in my mind with the Naya Rivera tragedy. Yes, that was very sad. And I, I don't know. I don't know why, but I decided to start kind of watching it from the beginning. And a lot of it holds up more than I expected, but a lot of it really doesn't. Did you like it the first watch? I did like the first season the first time around. And then I actually stopped after the second season because I just kind of lost interest even back then. Yeah. Um, but something that is just, it's crazy. Like now with everything that's happened with the Glee cast, there's just like so much darkness permeating. Yes. Like there was there the character Puck, who was played by Mark Salling, who has like major darkness, tragic situation. He's no longer with us. He's not the one accused of sexual... He is. He <laughs> is. Child pornography, yes. And then committed suicide. I did not know he committed suicide because one of the other cast members died a while ago. Yes, of a drug overdose. Yes. Corey Monteith. And so it's like, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's it's dark that I even went to the show. But that his, so Mark Salling's character sings Only the Good Die Young. And I was like, Ooh. I can't handle this. Like, I had to fast forward it. And it's just a lot. And so it's kind of an experience. Are you a Ryan Murphy fan? Um, no. <laughs> I really, no, I feel like I, um, we were actually just talking about this. It's like, I the aesthetic of his shows usually is very, very good. Yeah. And I feel like um, sometimes I'll like the first episode of a show he does, but I, it usually loses me kind of quick. It does. It looks like a well-made movie every time, like the pilot at least. And it takes a few episodes before you're like, wow, this is hot garbage. Yes. And like, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of inconsistencies with him with a lot of his shows, whether it's like tone or character development. Mm -hmm. And those things really get on my nerves. And I feel like he's so woke. He comes back around to being unwoke. Like he's like, he tries to make his characters so unproblematic that they become problematic. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of that with the female characters on Glee. A lot of their arcs are really like, I don't know. They're not super enlightened and they're kind of flat and Mm -hmm. anti-women in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and so that I don't know how much further I'll go down the road on Glee but it's been a really interesting rewatch like I mean the first season came out I think in 2009 so it's like over 10 years old now so wow it's it's been really interesting it's wild all right Glee anything else yes (laughs) kind of my quarantine watch um with my roommate that's kind of been keeping us going we've been binging all the seasons of America's Next Top Model. Well, sure. So a lot. I mean, as one does. Um, 
and we're both super fans of like the earlier seasons, but I've never watched the later seasons, and they're kind of train wrecky, but it's also still very addicting. And so, I don't. I think when we're actually finished and all caught up, it's going to actually really settle in pretty harshly. I think <laughs> it's really giving me something to look forward to right now. And so, but yeah, but I that is probably my favorite reality show of all time. It's amazing. Um, thank you so much, Taylor. What have you been watching? So I've been watching Supermarket Sweep. Sure. They just <laughs> added all the episodes. I don't even know if it's all of them, but some episodes to Netflix. And it is the best to just turn on. I turn it on while I'm playing Animal Crossing. And it's just like the best like yeah. background. It's very soothing. It's very interesting to see how far they like it's like it's mostly women who are competing mm-hmm. and like they're um their job descriptions are always interesting. Anyway, I highly recommend it. And then another thing I've been watching, which is funny that we were just talking about Ryan Murphy, is Pose. I just started it this week. Is that Ryan Murphy? Yes. I didn't know that was a Ryan Murphy. I know. How Isn't is it? Isn't it crazy? I'm only like two se- two episodes in. So, okay. But I just, so I just started. But I watched Disclosure, which is a Netflix documentary about uh, trans people in Hollywood mm-hmm. and they were like this show is so important and Ryan Murphy it was kind of like they talk about how problematic Ryan Murphy was and how he's like come around with Pose so I was like this is really interesting and I wanted to give it a try so I can't like vouch for it yet but I've only heard good things okay Billy Porter right mm-hmm. yes okay yeah uh, I'm interested to hear how you like it when okay. you finish. I'll follow you. I'll follow up. <laughs> awesome. Anything else? <laughs> nope, that's it. Okay. So I my quarantine watch has been Top Chef. Um, I've burned through three seasons. Wow. I just finished Denver. So I'm going wow. backward. Are you guys I like it. Top Chef watchers? I'm not, but I support anyone else who is. Cannot recommend enough. Padma, the host, her wardrobe is always, like, slightly off. She's, like, one of the most beautiful women alive. But they, like, go out of their way to make her look weird. And so the fun of every episode is seeing, like, what are they going to put Padma in today? And they do her hair in, like, old-timey curls. Like, it's just, it's, like, super wild. Well, and she's the one who just had a show on Hulu, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I watched a couple episodes, but it was, like, while I was working... Mm -hmm. And it's a show you have to pay attention to because yeah. it's, like, more deep than Top Chef. No, the Top Chef's not. It's just Top <laughs> Chef's, like, reality. You know, yeah. you can, like, have it on and be doing other yeah, things totally. and pay attention when you need to. I think we all have a base level of an understanding based on our list of the things <laughs> we're watching. <laughs> Supermarket Sweep probably doesn't yeah. need, like, full brain no. power. Yeah, but anyway, Top Chef, really great. going to start the fourth from last season currently. Um, Indian Matchmaking is a new show on Netflix about a matchmaker mm-hmm. who arranges dates between Indian Americans and hopefully potentially marriage. Haven't seen any marriages yet. I uh, I would die for this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, it's everything I want from reality TV. It's The Bachelor, but like bite size, mm-hmm. and it's like fun personalities, and there's variety. I've heard... Some criticism from Indian Americans because it's pretty um, 
problematic in that it features northern Indians and it kind of like plays into the caste system, which isn't great. But it's also like a story about this one woman and how she functions. So I think you can choose to watch it through any type of lens you want. I think it's just a story about this woman and the work she does. And she just happens to have these clients. So keep that in mind Mm -hmm. as you watch. We actually just watched that this week for um, our podcast. Oh, Okay. And so we, yeah, very fresh in our minds. It was highly entertaining. Right? I, yeah, it was yeah. really fun to watch. And the characters on that show are a little wacky. Aperna? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Aperna, Aperna, Aperna. We had a very long text conversation just saying quotes of, that she said, like, back to each other. I mean, I kind of love her, but I'm also like, Aperna, like, <laughs> you've got to change you your ways. You do need to change a little bit. I know Gosh. you think you don't, but you do. You're only 34. She's like, I'm so set in my ways. I'm like, mm, don't need to be. And then I watched Search Party, which is the reason we have gathered here today. Polish off season three. I wish there were 40 more seasons of this thing I could watch. I know that you are both fans. Um, is it the perfect show? It might be. I would argue yes. Yes. I love that this show is by millennials for millennials. Mm-hmm. And I hate myself for saying that, but <laughs> it like in the best possible way. It's very knowing about who millennials are and how they function. Um, So if it's okay, I want you two to kind of give us a search party plot summary. Is that too big an ask? No. I mean, I feel like we've we have tried like for years now (laughs) to convince people. So we I feel like we have it down. We're happy to like we have people on the bandwagon now and. We've been giving the spiel for a while, so yes, Jordan can. Do, Jordan's pretty good at it. Okay, so season one of Search Party, because what's fun about the show is that it actually is pretty different be- from season to season. Mm-hmm. But where you start with season one is you have this group of millennials, these friends, um, kind of, and the lead is played by Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development. And Recently rumored to be dating Brad Pitt. Yes. Yeah, or are they just best friends? Like, yeah, it's who, so curious. Who can say? Even the fact that they're friends is wild to it's, me. I know, right? It's almost crazier. Like, <laughs> yeah. I almost kind of like that. They're just like this weird platonic friendship. With like, what, like a 30-year age difference? Like, yeah, it's How strange. did that happen? Anyway, sorry to so, cut you so off. Weird. Keep going. No, no, you're, that's important. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, So she finds out that one of their other acquaintances from college has been missing or is now missing. And so she becomes obsessed with trying to find her and she get ropes her friend, her three friends, two friends and her boyfriend into who also knew her in college, trying to find Chantal, their missing friend. Um, But she gets so obsessed that every single thing or person that she encounters becomes like a clue in her mind of trying to find Chantal. And um, it kind of like, leads them down this road and the first season ends in a murder Mm -hmm. and um they if we're getting into spoilers they do end up finding Chantal but it turns out that (laughs) she just wanted a break and so like she wasn't being kidnapped she wasn't being abused in any way none of the clues ended up mattering it was all nonsense and now someone's dead because of it basically Mm -hmm. and so season two they are dealing with the repercussions of killing someone and trying to cover it up and they all each of the four friends are going into different like levels of madness basically trying to cope with everything and um 
basically season two um, ends with um, Alia's character getting arrested for the murder that occurred in season one. And another murder. And another murder, yes. Like, so another person ends up dead. She gets arrested. And that's where it leaves you off for season three. And then season three picks up exactly where they left you off, where she um, is, like, in when they take her first to the police station, basically. So, yeah, we pick up season three, uh, which is the season that just premiered, with uh, Dory, the character, being arrested. Um, and season three... <laughs> It's very much like a courtroom season in a really fantastic way. Um, Before we get into season three more, let's talk about the big players here. Um, We have a cast of essentially four people. And usually on a show where there's, you know, you're watching Friends and there's like how many different storylines in a given week and you're like... Oh, good, a Phoebe storyline, but then you're like a Ross storyline. Nah, you know, like there's like characters where you're like, I'm invested in this person, I'm not invested in this person. With Search Party, I want more from all of them. All of their storylines, I can't get enough of. There's never a second where I'm like, I wish we weren't spending time with John Early here. You're like, I wish <laughs> that would be crazy. I wish no there was a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we have Dory, um, we have Drew, who's played by John Reynolds, um, we have Elliot, who's played by John Early, and we have Portia, who is played by Meredith Hagner, who is also, I think, I think is the most underrated of the cast and gives one of the strongest performances. We and, would agree. Yeah, especially in season three, not to just like jump in, but no, please. she, I feel like her plot lines were some of my favorite parts of season three. Like where she's a Christian rock musician suddenly and singing <laughs> and just everything with that was just so, so, so funny. I feel like she really got to shine. She did. Uh, so Dory is taken to jail and her whole plot line is like, I'm, I'm on trial for murder. Um, and that's affecting everyone else. I mean, Drew is also on trial for murder with her. Um, but Portia, like you said, has kind of a complicated part of this in that she's testifying against Dory and Drew because she gets kind of tricked into doing so by an officer at the station Um, and then befriends some Christians because she needs some new friends, (laughs) (laughs) essentially. Well, didn't she originally went to the church because she needed to charge her phone, I think? Yes. (laughs) Which is like a very Portia thing to do. Yes. Becomes friends with those people. Um, Elliot is planning his wedding with his fiance, but is revealed to be like a complete liar <laughs> during the process uh, in court. Everything he's ever said has been a lie. Um, and so he's dealing with that. Um, and then we have some new players. We have Cassidy, who is Dory's defense attorney. And is incredible. Uh, She's amazing. And I just cannot wait to see her on more. I was so surprised. I was like, who is this person? Mm -hmm. This performance is so funny because she, how would you describe her character? She's very like all over the place and just very like high end. And also kind of, you would meet her and think like, this chick's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but she actually ends up being like kind of good at her job, even a good though lawyer. You, 
on surface level, you would never think that. Yeah. Totally. I think when you first meet her and you're like, oh, Dory screwed this lawyer. But actually, by the end of the season, I felt really bad for Cassidy. I was like, I can't believe that this is her first client. Like, yeah. Dory's the worst client ever and is a liar and stuff. And so I ended up pitying Cassidy more because she actually is a really good lawyer. So let's talk about Dory because Dory takes kind of a crazy turn in this season. Um, at the beginning of the season, I feel like I, as a viewer, was sympathizing with Dory because the murder of Keith was kind of self-defense. It was, at the very least, an accident. Um, you're like, oh, you know, too bad she's in this pickle. But remind me what happens in season two with the murder of the neighbor. So Dory, the, the neighbor finds out that um, Dory and um, Drew killed Keith. Mm-hmm. She overhears them talking about it. And so she starts blackmailing the four friends about it. And when they struggle to come up with the money she's asking for and everything, um, Dory ends up pushing her over the ferry at, was it Staten Island? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, instead of, she just takes her out instead of having to deal with her, basically. <laughs> sure. So not great, but you're still like, you know, Dory, I've spent all this time with this character. I'm rooting for her. But as the season goes on, she becomes more and more delusional and self-obsessed. Um, there's a scene of her at Elliot's wedding where she's talking about how hard all this attention is when it's clear she's very much enjoying the attention she's getting for being on trial for murder um, to the point where she won't admit that she murdered Keith. Um, Drew confronts her and she won't cop up to it and she won't say that, yeah, we did this. Where do you think they're going with that? What do you think is going to happen with Dory? Good question. I honestly don't know. I I felt extremely frustrated by her and I just wanted to shake her the whole, the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um... But, I mean, as far as where they're going with her, I think you have to also bring in the other really... I did not like this plot line of season three, but they bring in this guy who's, like, obsessed with her and stalking her. Played by Cola Scola. Which is amazing. <laughs> One of the funniest people on Twitter. Yes, yes. And so I, his character, though, doesn't show that funniness, no. which I wanted it to. Um, but anyway, he, like, kidnaps her, basically. Yeah. So it's really hard to say exactly what they're going to do with her because it's very up in the air. And if it were any other show, I'd be like, man, this is like jumping the shark. But Mm -hmm. they've been so experimental. It's paid off so many times. I just have no idea where they're going to take this. No, no idea. Yeah. And I think that because we we talked about this and it's I think we would both prefer not to dwell too much on the stalker plot line Mm -hmm. because that seems... It's, it feels almost like a whole different tone, which is cool because you're right. They do, they have experimented so much and it's paid off throughout the history of the show so far. But that almost just seems like it's kind of a plot line that's been done. Yeah. It's a little melodramatic for the show when I like it better when it's kind of more understated. I feel like that is when it is like funnier and then the moments shock you more too because there are a lot of shocking moments starting in season one, but because it's usually so 
understated. I feel like those things jump out more and stand out. And so now if you're starting with this like insane person has kidnapped her and has her in all those chains and cords and like (laughs) it was very it was a very crazy image to end the season on. So I don't I would hope that the season four doesn't maybe I mean I don't know how they'll how she'll escape or anything, but I would like it better if it doesn't have the entire season with her kidnapped, I guess. I think I have like PTSD from that being a whole season of Scandal. And I had to break up with Scandal. What season was that? I don't even know because I broke up with it after this happened. But there was like a whole season where she was like kidnapped and they had to like find ransom. And um, I just hated that it was like the whole season. But I do trust them with my life and I think that they will make it make it great and i think that that's where the other characters probably save it right like dory's kind of always been the straight man and to some extent drew um but because elliot and portia are so great Mm -hmm. we can spend significant time with them as a reprieve from this stressful storyline i also think that you don't cast cole escola without it somehow making sense to do so i hope so i agree he's so sardonic and hilarious that i feel like we're going to see that pay out in season four in some way did you guys watch the characters on netflix with john early yes i've watched the john early with cola scola I don't even know if I appreciated it at the time that okay. that was Cola Scola, but that Go back is and rewatch magical. it. I think that they have like a friendship and they do a lot of collaborations together. So I'm interested to see if that somehow is borne out in season four of this. Okay. I hope so because in this season so far, Elliot and the stalker never really interacted that yeah. I can remember. Yeah. So I guess we'll wait and see. Um, speaking of Elliot, should we talk a little bit about his storyline this season? Yes, I mean, Eldad. Gotta love him. <laughs> so, it turns out that he's hired parents, right? And his real family is in, what was it, like Arkansas? I don't remember. Something like that. <laughs> kind of. I, I was kind of like, all right, whatever. The best part of it for me was that he's invited to come on a conservative talk show. It's pretty much Tommy Lorette. Um, and he goes in this talk show, and they're arguing back and forth the entire time, calling each other terrible names, and they both love it. Like, it's <laughs> the most fun they've ever had. They can't get enough of it. Um, meanwhile, he's planning this elaborate wedding. They have the wedding. Mark, the groom, decides he doesn't want to do it and leaves him at the altar, which is, like, kind of sad, but you're also like, Elliot, you're, you're yeah. like, a terrible human. Like, I'm happy for Mark in this scenario. Yes. Um, and so that doesn't work out. You're led to believe that in season four, it's going to be more about this talk show that he'll be doing, which I think will be really fun to watch. Portia, as we said, uh, had to testify against her friends. And it became coming a Christian, but then that kind of fell apart. Yeah, like, she got back together with her with her old friends and then she was like those people didn't even understand me yeah and that's kind of it like i feel like they bring her in just when they need like laughs Mm -hmm. um both of those storylines i just really enjoyed i don't know what they do with drew from here yeah that was another plot line that kind of went nowhere when he starts hooking up with that juror yeah (laughs) and then they just kind of get rid of her and um that was almost one of the only things that he did 
the season. And I wonder if we'll get more of that. I feel like it would be strange if that didn't come back at all to haunt right? him in any way. Like, that felt so, um, it felt like it was going, like, oh, you're, like, this is clearly a horrible decision to sleep with one of the jurors on your murder trial. <laughs> but then, but you've made a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, so. and so then it was like, well, was that just kind of, it was just, it was an interesting choice to then not really have that come full circle. So maybe that is laying down the groundwork for something to come back and kind of that he has to deal with in season four I guess yeah we'll see. but I heard an interview with the one of the showrunners because there's two and I so sorry I don't remember his name um, but they've already filmed season four and he said that was actually a really stressful experience because they hadn't premiered season three yet and they didn't know what people would respond to or what they would like yeah and that is so, interesting yeah, so I wonder what they did in season four and, like, based on this conversation, would they change things about season four that they've already done? Anyway, my favorite Drew storyline actually isn't really about Drew, but about his defense attorney played by Louis Anderson. <laughs> as, like, an attorney who's, like, constantly falling asleep and apparently ate a lot of paint chips as a child. <laughs> uh, did you guys watch Baskets? No, but I that has been recommended to me many times, but I've never watched it. I've watched a couple episodes. It's really good. It's pretty depressing. So it's kind of one of those shows where you have to like be in that perfect mood. Like maybe you're having a really great day. Like I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it in quarantine. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Taylor loves really. Depressing I love depression. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah. It like doesn't affect me at all, which I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> What's your favorite depressing show? Hmm. What is my favorite depressing show? Now that I'm on the spot, I'm I like... I mean, well, recently, Normal People, probably. Oh, I didn't yeah. watch Normal People. It's a really depressing, <laughs> probably not a good idea, especially as a single woman, <laughs> to watch it in quarantine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's too many. I'm Try Baskets. Okay, I will. <laughs> um, it's just more... You're just like, Zach, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Like, it's... But it's funny. You're like, anyway... Louis Anderson is in it. Uh, he does a great job. I'm sure that's just a one-season performance, like a lot of these performances we saw. I just really, really enjoy every aspect of this show. I have very few criticisms of it, and I think my criticism is, like, sometimes I am frustrated there's so much plot, and I don't think that's, like, a normal person criticism. <laughs> I think that's, like... I just want to spend time with all these characters. When did you watch seasons one and two? Did you watch it right leading up to this or did you watch it when it first No. So I, I watched them like I'd heard the buzz. So I actually bought them on Amazon. And I think I watched them one right after the other a year ago. Okay. Yeah. What about you guys? I watched it while it, the first season was airing on TBS. Wow. Okay. And so, and then Jordan watched it. I probably, I think I watched season one. It was before season two started airing, but it was probably a year after you first watched it. But yeah. it was back when it was really only, if you wanted to just stream it without purchasing it, it was only available on the TBS app. Mm -hmm. Which uh, is the worst. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> terrible. Eight, eight ads yeah. every like 10 minutes. For and like they don't like plan it well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. So I ended up actually buying it on Amazon too. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was long before. Now we have it on HBO Max. But mm -hmm. I don't remember when that was though. I don't either. But I was just going to say that I think we held it on a, this like perfect pedestal and that 
we had waited for so long that when season three happened, we were like, oh, we do have a lot of criticisms. But You do. Tell me your criticisms. I think we kind of have glazed over them a little bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of like the plot, the plot lines, especially with Drew. There was another plot line where he like goes to his old friend's house. Oh yeah, and like it's kind of funny, but like nothing really happens about with that either. Because he's worried that he's gonna. There's going to be. It's going to be revealed that he like bludgeoned a goose once, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and so like it made me. Su- I just I do feel like Drew didn't really get that great of a storyline this season um yeah and he is an i mean we could go for hours raving about each cast member including him like when i go back and rewatch the earlier the first two seasons everything he does makes me laugh just because he's so he can be so awkward but and mm-hmm. like just his facial expressions are so funny so it felt like he was sort of wasted this season but you're right that we have it on our our expectations are so high for this show that um, a, I need to rewatch season three because I think I would be less disappointed watching it again, and I would appreciate maybe more of the humor and the jokes this time around too. But um, it's just any compared to any other season of a show, I think I would give it like an A plus still. It's just that we have oh, these yeah. high expectations for this. Show. Is it your least favorite season so far? Yeah, I would say so. I think, and I mean, I kind of talked about this earlier too, that I like the understatedness of it. And I feel like you could really see that they got a higher budget um, for this season. Mm-hmm. And they had like kind of the HBO money now, <laughs> which I don't think is a bad thing because it's like, I want the show to be successful. But I do yeah. think there's something about the minimalist aspect to the earlier seasons that I think really just vibed with me. But um but yeah, and I feel like, I mean, now being a little bit removed from the drop of the third season, too, I don't, I feel like maybe my complaints initially were, like, a little harsh. Yeah. Maybe. We just, like, love it like a child, so it's... I get like, it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get it. I actually put off watching season three for a while, and I think I knew it was because once I started, I wasn't going to be able to do anything else. Yeah. That was going <laughs> to be my whole life, was, like, carving out time to watch Search Party, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I really enjoyed it. It had been a while since I'd watched yeah. the first two seasons, and I wonder if I had watched them sooner. In fact, I should have revisited them prior to watching season three if I would have more criticisms, but I really, really enjoyed it. So I just, I think this show is made by hipsters who enjoy laughing at hipsters. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I love that. Like I said, I think it's by millennials for millennials. I don't know that my parents would love this show. Yeah, I'd be intrigued to hear about, like, someone older watching this. Or even someone, like, would Younger. a Gen Zer yeah. appreciate this show? Or is it, like, a very niche audience? It is It is really great. There's few pieces of content where you can, like, kind of have this commentary about millennials without the layer of, like, a boomer, like, hating a millennial too like it's not like coming from a malicious anti-millennial place at all because everyone in who makes the show and is in the show accepts that this is relatable and it actually kind of touches on that uh with the prosecutor played by i'm trying to find her name michaela watkins who is super funny and she's in a million things but she's not a name that you like know she plays the prosecutor and she says like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to take this case. Everyone hates millennials. Like, 
this is going to be so great. We can finally come down on this generation. And that doesn't really go as she plans. But I thought it was an interesting insight from the uh, writers that like we know who these people are and why people don't like them. Mm -hmm. But we also are them. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I feel some self-loathing watching Search Party. <laughs> but I think they know that about millennials. You yes. Know? <laughs> we are the most self-loathing generation perhaps <laughs> to ever exist. You guys have any other thoughts on Search Party? No, just watch it. We're, we've, we we want to talk about it with everyone. So we're grateful that you invited us to talk about it. <laughs> I'm grateful you came to talk about it. Yes. I feel like... It's just something that I always think about is that I don't know many other shows that are this funny. Like, the jokes and the performances are hilarious, but it's also a legitimately suspenseful, good kind of, like, mystery kind of show, yeah. too. And, like, those two things are matched, and, like, I love both of those genres, a comedy and a mystery, and it's, like, the perfect combination. The final scene of the third season genuinely scared me. Oh, like the mirror? I was mm -hmm. like, what's happening? What's yeah. yeah. Happen? It was legitimately scary. So, yeah, you're right. It's equal parts comedy and thriller, and it's really fun to watch. Um, Taylor Jordan, thank you so much for talking Search Party with me today. Find Girl Meets Show apparently everywhere. Everywhere. We're there. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> um, great podcast. Super fun. Um, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to uh, leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week. Bye.